Hello, I'm Liv Bolton. Welcome back to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire you to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of your life. The Outdoors Fix is produced in association with our friends at Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports. My guest in this episode is Debbie North. She's an extraordinary woman who has overcome so many challenges to pursue her outdoors life. A passionate hill walker when she was younger, Debbie was diagnosed with spinal degeneration a few years ago, meaning that she is now in a wheelchair. But losing her mobility didn't stop her determination to be able to explore the outdoors. She just found a motorised wheelchair that can take her over hills and up mountains. Her terrain hopper wheelchair looks a bit like a quad bike and can go up to eight miles per hour over steep and tricky ground. So nowadays, Debbie can often be found up a Wainwright Fell in the Lake District or exploring the Yorkshire Dales, accompanied by her husband, Andy, who walks beside her. Debbie's mission over the past few years has been to help other people in wheelchairs discover and explore the outdoors. So she now finds and writes up wheel-friendly walks for the Outdoor Guide a website full of hikes and outdoors advice run by TV presenter Julia Bradbury and her sister Gina. Debbie's also an Ordnance Survey Get Outside champion. I travelled to Nateby in Cumbria to meet Debbie and we went for a walk in the hills near her farmhouse. I wanted to hear about the journey to her current outdoors life, her 190 mile coast to coast adventure in her wheelchair and how she thinks the countryside can become more accessible. Debbie's is a story of extraordinary resilience and determination and the power of the outdoors. I hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to listen out for Debbie's outdoors tips and the sounds of nature at the end of the podcast. So here's Debbie. Thistles, over humps, over. I mean, it's quite difficult terrain, this. Uh, yeah, it, it is, and it's a bit buggy. Um, yeah. when, when the rain does come down, as it has done recently, this is actually a stream. It's called Middle Passaic. So we've just we've just crossed over into the Yorkshire National Park, uh, which is. Oh, look at that! Oh. Wow, <laughs> it is definitely buggy here. It's very quiet, it's the machine as well. When you look at being on battery, yeah. it, it, it's not like a quad bike where you, you can hear that coming from mile. And we're not really going, it's a, it's, a, it's a footpath, but it's not, you know, it's it's very, very grassy, very spongy, um, isn't, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, you wouldn't have think this is the easiest path, but you know, you're getting through it on that terrain hopper amazingly. Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the Outdoors Fix podcast. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure and it's a pleasure to for me to be able to bring you out here on where I live, you know. We live on a Cumbrian hill farm, but actually we're in the Yorkshire National Park. So we're just sat here now looking over. We've got Howgills in front of us. It's a beautiful spot. We've got Malastang off to, to the right here. Over there we've got the North Pennines and right in the distance underneath the cloud we've got the Lake District and on a clear day we can see the top of Blencathra. Blaine- so 
we really have got a 360 degree view from where we're sat. Well, if, if you're kind of into the outdoors, I think this is pretty much the perfect place to live, isn't it? With all these national parks around you. Yeah, it, it is beautiful. And it's so unexplored by people. You know, people coming to the area either go straight over to the honeypot places in the Yorkshire Dales or drive straight through Kirby Stephen to the Lake District. And people don't really know about the Eden Valley. And you know, we're on open access land now, so we can sort of go anywhere and respecting the countryside where we are. But yet people don't come and, and explore this area and yet it's so beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, thank you for bringing me here. And, and you've come in your all-terrain hopper. That's right. Your it's wheelchair. Your hopper, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, it took about, what was it, about 20 minutes from your farm. That's right, yeah, yeah. It's the, the, the route that we walked on today is the route that we've sort of done during lockdown in our right. permitted timeout. Um, we've come out, not seen a soul, but really starting to appreciate home mm-hmm. and what is, what is here and listening to the sounds of nature and watching changes in nature and, you know, tiny little flowers that I've never actually noticed before or the curlews have been down on the fell. Oh, wow. So I know it's been a, a horrible time for everybody and, and a devastating time, but on the positive side, to just be able to spend that time in nature and really absorbing what is around you. Because I'm very much, you know, I need to get to the top of a mountain, Mm. I need to go further, I need to go higher. Mm. And to have my wings clipped for those few months and to make me sort of zoom in to home. So I'm very proud to be able to, to show you my home today. I think you're right, like lockdown has given everyone a sort of a bit of more appreciation of what's around them directly. Oh, mm, and I think so. So this is a pretty special place and you haven't always lived in the Lake District though and in, in the Yorkshire Dales. No, um, I'm a Yorkshire lass. I was born in Sheffield, born and bred in Sheffield. So really my stomping ground was more the Peak District and then when I eventually went to college and got my first teaching post in Bradford. That's when I started really exploring the Yorkshire Dales and then meeting Andy and he had a love of walking and the Yorkshire Dales. He had a lot more experience of the Dales and the lakes than I did. So he sort of introduced me to, to new places. I, again, I knew the honeypot places, but I didn't know the off the beaten track places. Then we went down to Lincolnshire. I went. Uh, off to take a headship down in, in Louth. Mm. So we we relocated to to that area, but I felt we just, we just knew that that wasn't home. Mm-hmm. It was a temporary home. We we wanted to come back, and we always wanted to come back to the Dales. But we finished up really in in a spot that is so connected to us, it's unbelievable because where, where the farm is, is actually part of the coast to coast. And when Andy and I first walked the coast to coast, we actually came through the farm oh, and the finger post that's at the end of the farm, we, we sat and ate apple pie and this cheese that we'd bought in Kirby Stephen. And little did we know that you know, years later, 
that that was home. So I wow. really do feel that we've come home and, you know, the, the community of uh, Nate have sort of welcomed us in and, and we're part, you know, we're part of, we're part of the village life, even though we're out of the village and the pub is like a real hub for, for getting together. I know that this is where I'm meant to be and yeah, so I am in Cumbria, but I'm also in the Yorkshire Dales. Yeah. So, so, you know, I haven't, I haven't uh, turned my back on Yorkshire because I'm here. <laughs> so you are outdoors a hell of a lot, it seems at the moment, particularly with your role as inclusion and diversity expert for the outdoor guys. Yes, yeah. What makes a route wheel friendly? What are you looking for? Uh, well, it depends what you want. It's, it's basically asking what is accessibility and, and what is disability. Because it's, you know, it's not one size fits all. There are so many needs of, of different people, able-bodied or people with disability, that you cannot say this is the perfect walk for you. Right. You know, there are some people who have got a limited mobility, who just want a, a, a short walk with a view, maybe some seating along the way so they can walk from one bench to another, take the time, taking the views, taking the, you know, the, the, the outdoor experience. You've got people in manual wheelchairs who have got to use their upper body strength to get along the track. You've got people just in uh, a normal power wheelchair that, you know, is not really designed for a rugged terrain, yeah. but, but can get the mileage. You've got people who have, there's something called like a mountain trike where you pull the levers and it moves the wheels forward. You've got then my big, my big all-terrain wheelchair. And I talk about wheelchairs as my footwear. Mm. So not everybody's just got one pair of shoes. Yeah. So, you know, my manual wheelchair is my black lace-up, flat, everyday walking shoes. My comfy, comfy pair that, you know, I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't be without. Then I've got something called a trial rider that fits on the front of my wheelchair that makes it sort of into a, well, I suppose like an, uh, an electric bicycle. Right, okay. And that is very zippy, it goes quite fast, perfect for country lanes, perfect for things like towpaths, um, you know, really good, a, a nice, it does go up and down hills, but a nice level path where I want to get a bit of speed, maybe a bit of adrenaline, get that wind rush, perfect. <laughs> and then I've got, I've got my Four Seasons hiking boots, which is the train hopper. It's a computer on wheels that has a suspension in each wheel. It has a brake in each wheel and a motor. So it has the capability of climb. It, it can go up to eight mile an hour because that's the law, that that's the maximum speed. But I've got mine set only at four mile an hour because I want mine for the talk for the climb mm. and, and basically it climbs like a pair of walking boots. So you asked me about what makes an accessible path and it's, it's really about um, the gradients for a start. It's about the, the, the width of 
the gate. Uh, it's about the surface that we're traveling over. And you know, many of the obstacles are man-made obstacles, mm. like the stiles, yeah. the kissing gates that are not wide enough, locked, locked gates that we've come across. Mm. So what I try to do when I'm with the outdoor guide is to give as much information as possible about the walk without giving away the view or the pièce de résistance because people want that special moment for themselves. If I sit and describe absolutely everything, they, they haven't got that, the, the awe and wonder at the end of it. So many of our, our walks are filmed mm. uh, so that people can watch the film, again, without giving away the view, and then they can make an informed decision as to the suitability of their own wheelchair and Perfect. their own health, yes. you know, their own requirements. And they are very, very popular. Um, and we get asked by lots of different organisations to go out and film. You know, we've got a, a, a film crew that go with us um, that are specialists in making the short films for YouTube. And uh, so people like the National Trust, Woodland Trust, Canal and River Trust have, have all commissioned us. Mm. I was telling you earlier about the really interesting one that I did was for a charity called Sense and they wanted us to do a multi-sensory walk oh, right. and we went out with a chap called Ben who's blind and I, I was getting quite apprehensive about how how this was going to work you know and totally new experience for me but Ben was very he was ready to give anything a go but he kept saying listen listen I guess in what? What am I listening to then? And he said, listen. And when I stopped and tuned in my listening skills, I could hear the wind in the trees. I could hear the leaves across the ground. I could hear birds in the far distance. And he said, I just love the sounds of my wheels crunching the leaves. Oh, you know, he said, there's a, there's a river nearby. And I hadn't tuned into the fact that there was this river nearby. And it was just extraordinary to go with, with Ben and his language that he used to describe what he was experiencing about being in nature. So that was just, fun. that was a fantastic, fantastic opportunity for me to, to go and do that that work with with Ben so I mean it's fantastic that you're doing this helping so many people realize that they can possibly get out and enjoy the outdoors um, when maybe they thought that it wasn't so easy so it's a brilliant way of showing them it still isn't easy um, it's getting better there is certainly a, a much more of awareness of the need to look at accessibility but some people, either through ignorance or through, um, you know, just general lack of knowledge, seem to believe that accessibility is about tarmac paths. And, you know, when I bang on about accessibility to, to different people, they, they seem to think that I'm wanting to turn the countryside into a... a you know, a, a, a network of concrete paths everywhere for, for wheelchairs to go on. 
and that is not the case it's not about sterilizing the countryside it's about knowing what we can and cannot do uh it's wait you know take the scenario of a mountaineer who has the ropes to climb the mountain as a walker you get to a mountain if you haven't got the right equipment you can't get up that mountain you come prepared as a mountaineer to do it so if as a wheelchair user i don't just presume that i can do absolutely everything that a walker could do but to know where i can go where we'll be style free um and and then i've been sort of doing a, quite a bit of research about how how accessibility is approached in different parts of the world and i was looking at uh, america in, in uh, yosemite national mm. park and they have wheelchairs all-terrain wheelchairs available for for people to use to go out and explore Brilliant. and it's not their thing is not about changing the landscape it's about providing the appropriate equipment for people to get out and to be able to explore the area and um you know there's been a lot of issues at the, around um the lake district about uh accessibility and there's been a certain path from Threlkeld to Intkesik that's been made into a, a tarmac path and and it's been quoted as it's because it's making it more accessible for people but that isn't what what we're wanting as mm. a you know for the amount of money that has been spent on that path what about the investment in some wheelchairs yeah, okay. and people being trained to take people out out uh, you know into the hills mm. so embracing technology rather than you know wanting to alter the landscape absolutely and and that's you know one one ignorant person put on twitter on, on this thread oh the next thing we'll have is stena stair lifts up scarfell pike yeah. which that isn't that isn't what we're we're asking about mm. but with an all-terrain wheelchair i can get up to the top of blencathra safely yeah uh i can get up to skiddo you you know you went up skiddo last week on the path that i suggested a great path you have to have the right technology but there was nothing dangerous about it a, a great route up to the summit and i can experience the summit and if if we have enough technology to be able to to give that opportunity for people um i think that's far better than thinking about making concrete paths everywhere mm. so oh uh, well, i also really want to talk about these amazing adventures you've have, had including <laughs> going up blencathra and helvellyn which is awesome but i want to kind of go back a bit and find out about you know your outdoorsy life when you were younger so you said you grew up in you know from yorkshire were you always outdoorsy when you were younger Yes, uh, yeah. My mum said she saw more of my knickers than she ever did of my face because I was always upside down somewhere or hanging from a tree <laughs> or um I lived my mum and dad were school caretakers. Um and by the nature of the job, we had the school house, the caretaker's house was in the grounds of of the school. So I was surrounded not not a posh area, but I was surrounded by horse chestnut trees and 
lots of space and, and that was my castle, that, that space was my castle. And when I got to school, secondary school in particular, um, the, there was one particular teacher called Mr Fletcher and he, he embraced the outdoors. He took you camping at the weekends. We had a school farm up at Hayfield. Sounds very grand, but it wasn't. It was a real derelict old building, uh, no running water. And we'd go on school trips up there in, in the old Land Rover and have to collect water from the spring because there was no water in the farm. And, and we'd make campfires and we'd tell ghost stories and frighten mm -hmm. each other to death about stories about Annie the ghost. and and. I just, you know, I loved it. And then he'd take us camping into Europe. Uh, oh. I mean, the, the trips that we have, oh, we'd never get past now for risk assessments and things. <laughs> but it was, it was just, he just gave me that love of being outdoors and, and got me into orienteering and with the orienteering team, went all over the country and in different events. I was lucky enough to take part in the JK world event which, which were held in Sheffield one year so that gave me like the international experience and then that love of, of being outdoors then I took into when I qualified as a teacher I took the role that that Kev Fletcher had given me from his experience I then started with children from my own school taking them on residentials and uh, and a lot of the children that I worked with had never been into the countryside, you know, didn't really know what a cow was. They were on uh, very deprived housing estates where we, where I taught. And I remember taking one, one child, well, one trip to Castleton. Um, in the Peak District. In yeah. the Peak District. And it was, we went on the train, which was an experience for the kids in the first place. And it, it snowed so heavily we were the only people on the train and we got to uh, Hope Station and they stopped the train and the, they built this like oh, 10 foot snowman with two pork pie eyes uh, on the station and they stopped the train for the children to, to see the snowman. <laughs> and then we got to, to the station, the Land Rover was able to get through to pick up our baggage but then we walked the children from Hope into Castleton, and they were having snowball fights, which they'd not, you know, you don't see that kind of snow in the city. Mm. You get a covering, but to, to have it knee deep, and the kids were wet through, they were, and they couldn't care, couldn't care less. Yeah. But they saw, for the first time, icicles, you know, great big hanging icicles. And so to be able to give that experience back to children was, was fantastic. Um, and then, you know, from, from we, both Andy and I have worked in really tough schools. And the way to relax and unwind at the weekend was to drive up either up to the lakes or up to, to the dales, which is only an hour from Bradford. And so that was our way of unwinding and shoulders went down and you were refreshed and ready mm. to go again for the Monday. Um, so you were obviously a couple that really, really loved the outdoors and it's been a massive part of your life. 
in 2008, your outdoors life had to temporarily come to a halt. Um, can you can you tell me about what happened then? Well, yeah, I mean, the the sort of in in a nutshell, um, I I started with backache. I went to the doctors, and the doctor said, "Yeah, you and everybody else in Lincolnshire's got backache." Um, but they referred me to a specialist and, and basically I was diagnosed of having um, spinal degeneration, which degenerated very, very quickly, um, putting me in a wheelchair. Um, I, did, I did go back to, to teach. I had some time off from my job, um, but went back in a wheelchair and did, did the job again for two years. But I was absolutely off my, my head with drugs, for pain relief mm. drugs. Um, and I knew I was making mistakes and I knew I wasn't on top of my game. And with, with a real sad heart, took the decision to take ill health retirement. Broke, absolutely broke me because mm. that's all I, all I ever wanted to do from you know, playing school with my dolls when I was a little girl. I just wanted to teach and be with children. So it broke my heart, but it also broke my heart that I couldn't go out walking again because I, I didn't know about all-terrain wheelchairs. I mean, it was all, I didn't even know about wheelchairs. <laughs> so, so to have that, that taken away. And uh, there was one particular weekend that Andy brought me up into the Yorkshire Dales and we parked in the car park at Autumn Ribblesdale which is like the start of the Yorkshire Three Peaks and I was watching people lacing up their hiking boots and donning their rucksacks and setting off on a hike. Oh absolutely, I was, why you know what 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 was my role now what was I doing now because I wasn't an educator I wasn't a hill walker um, and I had, I had to do something. I had to, to, to sort of reassess what, what life was going to be. And I wrote my very, very first blog on the 1st of March. And I know it was the 1st of March because on the 28th of February, mm. I got my final papers to say that, you know, I, my, my retirement had gone through. So you know, when people get to a retirement age, you get that sense of like joy and celebration that, and for me, it wasn't, it was like, mm. a, and so what? And I, I wrote a blog and I just put, you know, what, what am I, who am I? Uh, and, and just writing it down on paper, just like sort of carried on writing and sort of put, no, it, Book of this. This isn't going to be my life. I've not, I've not stopped now. I'm too too young to stop. I've got to change something. And I just, I, I put down that I want to find as many accessible routes in the Yorkshire Dales. And I put this blog onto uh, just a WordPress thing and put it on Twitter. I set up a Twitter account. I called it Access the Dales, and put a, a note out saying, Does anybody know? a path that I can go on in my wheelchair and a chap called Jonathan sent a tweet back saying he, he 
does guided walks in the Yorkshire Dales. Um, he thought that I might be able to get to Gordale Scar. Oh. I didn't know, he, he wasn't a, a, an access expert or anything, but he knew that there were no gates and or gates that I couldn't get through, wide gates were there. He says, but, you know, I'm happy to give it a go. And we, we drove up to Yorkshire Dales. <laughs> there was this very lanky chap stood with his dog. We said, that was Jonathan. <laughs> and he said, hello, very cheerful, cheerful chap, eh? And we clicked. That moment we clicked. And Andy and jo and I was only in a normal power wheelchair, mm. nothing, nothing special. And Jonathan and Andy walked in front, kicking stones out of the way because the wheelchair would not, you know, it kicked a ground to a halt mm. when even the smallest uh, rock was there. And we got to the end of Gordale Scar, and there was the limestone cavern around me and the waterfall and oh, tears and and I said oh, we've got to do more of this 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 is what this is it this is what I want to do now and and discover more and and that's what we started doing then I got really involved in the Yorkshire Dales National Park and I joined uh, their local access forum and I started researching about wheelchairs and we realized that there wasn't anything in the Yorkshire Dales National Park that was there for people to use, that people had to have their own equipment if they wanted to do it. So we, we started doing, raising some money, Andy and I, to, to buy a wheelchair, which is now up at Malham Tarn. Mm. Uh, we, we gifted it to the National Trust. Oh, fantastic. And it's very, very well used. It's, you know, people know that it's there now. And, and we've done lots of adventures with Jonathan. He's become integral. In, into what we get up to and we just sort of well what should we do next and what should we do next and we've done the coast to coast well, uh, I, I, this is what <laughs> i wanted to come on to because i mean you'd had that extraordinary experience of your life completely changing and you must have part of you must have feared that you wouldn't be able to go and do those outdoors adventures mm -hmm. But then when you started to, to do them again, how, I mean, how did you feel? Oh, elation. My cousin once said, you know, every cloud has a silver lining and you found yours, Deb. And, um, you, you know, what, what, what is it? And it's that freedom. It's that being able to, to feel the elements on, on your, your face, to feel the wind in your hair, to be able to see the nature. Uh, to 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 feel that sense of satisfaction at the end of the day that you've achieved something, and so um, you know when when we said, <laughs> I said to to Andy, you know, can I, I was actually quite poorly um, after after because I had my my spine fused, and then I I became quite poorly after that and got pneumonia, and I I thought I was like, you know, I thought the Grim Reaper had was knocking at my door and I sent Andy a, a moon pig card and said can we do the coast to coast because <laughs> we'd already done it we'd already done it twice a uh, beautiful walk it's a very special walk for, for, for Andy and I and he sent back yes of course we can sort of resigned to the fact that it wasn't going to happen but he was saying yes to anything that I wanted to do at that time because 
a bit of hope. Yeah, a bit of hope. And mm. of course, when I when I got better, I said, right, well, you did say we could do the coast to coast, and uh, and so we set off doing um, travelling coast to coast. I think that's the the right terminology. Um, and Alfred Wainwright said about you know, don't follow my footsteps, but make your own journey. And we did. We couldn't follow the exact route that, that Alfred Wainwright had set out simply because of the styles and, um, you know, no, knowing that we, were, we would come to obstacles. So we sort of devised our route based on bridle paths, which we presumed would be accessible. And we always started in the traditional village or, or place. Yeah. So we went from St. Beast to Ennerdale. But we did a different route. We we then you know we we kept we came through Kirby Stephen, but we came a different route. We got to Keld, and eventually you know 14 days later, uh, we got to Robin Hood's Bay. Gosh, so uh, yes, because it's a, it's 190 miles yes. roughly, isn't it, from St Bees and Cumbria to Robin Hood's Bay in in North Yorkshire. Yeah. I mean that is such a big journey, two weeks, and so you were. In, obviously, you weren't in your just normal powered no, wheelchair. No, I, I used the three and a half. Yeah. yeah. So you were you were obviously not going over styles and things, but you were still going over hills in it. Oh and... gosh, yeah. Oh, the, with the climbs, certainly coming through the Lake District. In actual fact, we found the hardest bit was in Yorkshire oh, yeah. because going along the River Swale from Reith uh, over to um, sorry towards Reith from Gunnerside to Reith the track was so uh, eroded mm. that I was basically at a 45 degree angle going all the oh way along God. and then there were very um, deep exposed routes along the river bank and at points where the, you know the banking had gone down to the river and so the path was so narrow and we you know when when we sort of anal analyzed and chatted back we, we said that that was actually a more difficult section than what we thought would have been coming through the Lake District. But as a consequence of of that and the feedback to the, the Yorkshire National Park, they have now taken that whole section, 12 miles, and resurfaced it. And, um, and they've now made it into a cycle track, not a sterilised cycle track, when I say they've, they, the, how they've done the surface is, is marvellous with this matting where the grasses come through mm. but it's the, the aim is to make it into a, 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 a great place for people to experience like mountain, uh, mountain biking for the first time with families in a safe car free environment of course it's all wheelchair accessible yeah, brilliant. so from that journey something good has, yes. has come out of it when you finished that in Robin Hood's Bay, that must have been incredibly emotional because you had set yourself this challenge in the possibility that you may never have been able to carry it out. Oh gosh, I mean, even on the first day when we set off from St. Bees, it was pouring with rain, absolutely siling it down. We were wet as soon as we got out of the car. And you know, the, the traditional pictures that you have taken at the start, it was like a quick, click and let's get off and we we had a, because I didn't really know the train hopper we had an uh, an issue that we we driven a couple of yards and it stopped I said oh yeah I've done something wrong put it on again 
went a little bit further and stopped again. And we hadn't actually charged up the battery. Oh, <laughs> and, and it was things like that that, you know, because we were naive in, in what it was. And so we didn't even think we'd get out of the car park at St. <laughs> Bees. And, um, you know, you said you didn't think you'd make it. I didn't think we'd make it. But then to get to Robin Hood's Bay and that sense of satisfaction, joy it was yeah i've done it i've bloody well done it and you know fist pumped the air and wheeled into the sea and it was yeah it was quite a day and, and that really was the start of my journey then to to say look you know i've done it now kids if i can do it let's make it possible for other people and, and there are people that just send me messages and say you know deb's we'll never be able to do what you do but you show us the views you sh you show us where you've been to and we love following your journey and and so if I can keep doing that then that's great and and hopefully inspire you know people to either provide wheelchairs and and work with with getting more where people can borrow them to to get views like this or um to inspire the young generation of, of people with disabilities to say, come on, you know, let, let's, not, let's not feel sorry for ourselves. Let's not be the victim, let's be the, the fighter for mental health, just being out here and, and breathing in the fresh air. It's just good for the soul, it's good for the mind. Um, so yeah, I'll just keep, as long as I can keep going, I, I will keep going. Um, so after the Coast to Coast, you were then asked to uh, develop a section of the Outdoor Guide website yes. with wheel-friendly walks. And so that's sort of taking you around the country, researching and oh, creating gosh. these walks. I mean, when I got a phone call from Gina, who's Julia Bradbury's sister, who, who said, you know, can we meet you for coffee? Uh, Julia was speaking at Keswick Mountain Festival and could, would, would, would we, were we going to be there? And if so, can we meet up for a coffee? And I was like, oh, what do I wear? <laughs> what do I do, you know? Um, and we went and met and they, they sort of said, you know, they love what we're doing. Because by, by this time now, I'm, I'm blogging about the Yorkshire Dales and, and the walks that I've done. And they said, we'd love to give you that platform to do what you're doing in the Dales, but to a bigger audience and around the UK. Uh, really, we, we would like you to, wherever Julia walks, would you wheel? And I was like, no-brainer, of yeah. course. And, and so, yeah, I travel the length and breadth of the country uh, doing, doing different types of walks, whether it be a river walk or coastal walk or on, on the hills. Uh, it's great. I've got a really, really exciting life. So yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. And and so you, you've been up Blencathra and Helvellyn in your terrain hopper. Yes. Yeah. How? I mean, is it not? It does, it gets a bit hairy. I would have thought, doesn't it? Um, I think it gets more hairy for Andy than it does for me. I think when he sees me sometimes tipped on two wheels, oh perhaps you know when you're at the back of something, and you see a machine go at a funny angle. I'm I know that. I'm comfortable, I know I'm safe. It's, it's not a machine that will tip lightly. It's got a fantastic um, 
balance of you know where I'm because I'm actually sat in the machine rather than on the machine mm. and so it's got a really good sense of balance and uh, yeah there are times that are a bit hairy and we're not daft I mean we love an adventure and if we're going out and doing something that is new or high or you know that, that we've got doubts about. Jonathan will always come with us. All right. Jonathan's a trained mountain leader and uh, it's just another pair of hands just in case because the last thing we want to do is call out mountain rescue oh, gosh, to, yeah. <laughs> to, you know, for, because of, of, of human error. Uh, human error. And, um, but we're not daft. And, you know, if it, if it is getting a bit hairy or... Well, it's just like any sensible walker, really. If, you know, when, we were, when I was able-bodied and went walking, there might be days where we've turned around because it's not going to be achievable because the weather is yeah. so bad. But we do the same, yeah. you know. And, and yes, I'm disappointed, but I'd rather I'd be safe on the hills than, than dead on the yeah, hills. So. Yeah. I mean, you're out on lots of different adventures. Just very briefly, if... In the last year, what have been your favourite walks that you've done? Oh, right. Well, well, I mean, I've been a bit curtailed since since the beginning of March. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, last week we were up at Wernside, which is one of the Yorkshire Three Peaks, mm. and got to the summit of that. Um, I absolutely loved... I'd never been down to Devon before um, to, to, to see the Jurassic coastline. That was beautiful to go there um i've done my first two monroes oh my goodness went up to scotland and and climbed up cairngorms and carnacay wow. which was a very soggy and, and wet day but again to say that i've done done those it was it was uh, fantastic uh we've we've been over to ireland to the wild atlantic coast which was stunningly stunningly beautiful there's just so many. There's just so many. That's it's, it's it's a cruel question to ask. Yeah. Because there's just so many beautiful, yeah, and beautiful experiences. Not just terrain hopper experiences, but you know the shorter walks that have given me the big views. Um, I I had the the pleasure of going down to Dulston Country Park, which actually won the the Visit England Award for accessibility this year. And they have got wheelchairs that you can borrow, and you can go right along the coastline and see the beautiful white cliffs down there and down to the lighthouse. And then they've made the visitor centre all accessible, and it's just fantastic. That is like such a good example of making it accessible for all. Uh, so that was, that was brilliant, that was absolutely brilliant. So if we can talk about um, what is next for you, I mean, it's obviously a bit up in the air with coronavirus and yes, we don't yeah. know how, how much we're going to be able to get out in the next few months. But, you know, have you got, have you got you know, ambitions, goals? I've got one, one of my personal ones that I'm wanting to do is we've got in the Yorkshires, it's called the Dale 30 and it's right. the, the 30 highest mountains that are classed as mountains. People don't class the the Dales having mountains, but it does, and it has 30 of them. And slowly but surely, we're working our way to find which are 
accessible. Ah. Uh, well, accessible in the train hopper. I'm not saying that they're accessible to every single wheelchair user. So that's my own personal challenge. But then, you know, with, with the outdoor guide, Julia's starting filming her next TV series. So I shall be off on the, on the road doing the wheelchair walks with it. So, so when Julia's programmes are aired on TV, on the website is an alternative version. Uh, I'd love to get back up into Scotland and, and do another couple of Monroes. Uh, so we just just it, it'll, we do we do what comes and we never know we never know our plans could change next week depending on what comes through is in, in commissioned work as well as you know my own what whatever Jonathan and, and Andy decide we're going to to do next. <laughs> Debbie, who are the three people who have inspired your outdoors adventures? My first one has to be my Mr Fletcher that I've, I've talked about, my, my school teacher. Um, he believed in me. I wasn't the brightest or sharpest tool in the book when I was at school. Uh, I think I was classed as a slow learner. I probably have a label these days. But I always wanted to teach and he said if you, if you want to do it, we'll, we'll get you there. And he coached me an awful lot. He, you know, gave up his own time. He he went into teaching for the vocation. Mm. He was one of those those teachers. Uh, and then he gave me the love of being outdoors uh, and the orienteering experience. And as I say, I've taken that into then my own career. Still one of my best friends now. Him and his wife. Mm. Um, How about your second person? Then my second person has to be my husband Andy. Um, Andy. Andy and I finished up working at the same school. You know, we didn't know each other. Uh, we were on a drunken night out, staff night out, when people were talking about walking and it was mentioned about the coast to coast. And I said, what coast to coast? I'd love to do the coast to coast and this this bloke called Andy <laughs> Andy North who to be honest I didn't like him we, we didn't we, we, on a professional level we 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 had this love-hate relationship and and basically we said he he said well if you want to walk it you know I'll do it with you and the following day you know when we're nursing our hangovers in the staff room so I said were you were you on us about this this coast to coast and he says yeah I'll do it if if you want to do it that's what we booked we, we booked this coast to coast for the Easter um, and we basically set across doing the coast to coast as, as colleagues not right. even really friends but you know this this two two people two strangers really and with every step of the way I was getting more googly-eyed and oh and I'm really falling for him and, and when you're walking for two weeks and you've got nobody else's company you really get to know somebody and you know he'd tell me wonderful stories about his writing he was wanting to 
to pursue a career as a writer and he was telling me things that he'd written and and we got to Robin Hood's Bay and my mum was there and we dropped Andy off at his house in Bradford and I thought well you know that's it my adventure's over and done with I've loved it and there was a knock on the door and and Andy was was at the door and he says are you fed up I said yes I am do you want to come in and I don't think I actually went home then. <laughs> and, and so he's inspired me because he, you know, he knew a lot of the Yorkshire Dales and, you know, as, as our romance blossomed, we'd go out into the hills more together. And he's taught me a lot about the countryside and a lot about the area. So, yeah, he, he has to be my inspiration. And it's a very romantic story as well. <laughs> it, it is a romantic story because the, the next time we did the Coast to Coast, we did it again because my camera broke the first time. So we had no pictures of the very first time we did the Coast to Coast. We did it again just so we could take some pictures. <laughs> and when we got to the North Sea uh, for the second time, Andy proposed to me. Oh. So I said, yes, 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 yes. Oh. So that was in the April and then we got married by Christmas, I wasn't letting him go. Oh. So, so that's why the Coast to Coast is very special. Extra special. Yeah, and extra then, special one. And then you did it a few years Yeah, later. and then we did it as, you know, with disability. And Andy's always been there for me. Um, throughout, you know, I was in hospital three months and he came every single day uh, and, and sat for hours. Um, and we talked and, you know, like we reassess what we were doing, and he's he's never given up on me. He's not sort of said, "Oh, well, my, my wife's damaged, and you know we need." I'll go and look for a new model. I'll trade her in. He's stuck with me, and he, he's let me go off. And for for somebody who's nursed me through what's been a horrific illness and you know horrible times, for then for him to let me go off and do things with the outdoor guide to. For him to have that confidence that I'm going to be okay and to let go really, to, to be able to just sort of let me spread my wings again and be independent, that must have taken some guts for him to, to do that when he's seen how vulnerable I have been health-wise. So yeah, he is my inspiration. Um, and finally, how about your third person? My third one has to be Jonathan. Um, and John, as I told you before, Jonathan does navigation and guided walks in the Dales. And from that very first walk at Gordale Scar, he has never once said, it's not possible. He said, well, let's give it a go. Um, and he, he goes above and beyond to look for different routes for us. Without Kev, without Andy, without Jonathan, I wouldn't be sat in this spot today with you, with this 360 view around me. Debbie, in terms of tips for people then, obviously a terrain hopper is an expensive bit of kit. Yes. Not everyone is going to have access to that. Are there places around the UK where people can hire them or you know, take them out for a while? There are, and there's more than people actually 
think there are. Right. There's a fantastic scheme down uh, the southwest coastal path, and it's called Countryside Mobility. They have got, I think it's about 50 locations all around that area where I think you pay a nominal amount of money, and that's really for the upkeep and the insurance and everything. It's like two quid, which is oh, nothing. Wow, yeah. And they've got places where you can go and hire the machines, and they've got then a, a suggested walk that they've assessed to being safe for the machine. So when I was down at Dulston Country Park, that's one of the, the ones, and I use their scooter there. So that's worth checking mm. out. You've got a couple of places up in the Lake District. Winlatter's got a tramper that you can borrow. Like Tarn Howe, you can get round there. Mm. You've got the one in the Yorkshire National Park. Well, actually, there's two in the National Park. There's the one that that we source, source and that's at Malham Town, which is a beautiful walk for anybody that just wants to to see that, that limestone view. It's just amazing. And then there's um, Ingleborough Nature Reserve that has got a scooter that you can borrow. And in fact, that scooter can take you right from Clapham, right through the nature trail, go at springtime where the rhododendrons are in bloom. Oh, wow. <laughs> and to the showcase cave and they've made the show cave accessible for you have to be in a manual wheelchair but they've got one there that you can transfer into and to take you into cave i mean how cool is that to be able to go underground in a in a wheelchair awesome. so that's fantastic um but then you've got um You've got people like over in the North York Moors. You've got some up at Sutton Bank that you can, can borrow. Then the schemes, um, uh, well, like the Northumberland Coast scheme, where you, they've got beach wheelchairs, which oh, wow. are like, like, like big space hoppers, four big space hoppers with a, a seat arm that travel over the, the sand. So you can go into the sea in a wheelchair and it, it flows, so you can get fairly amazing, fairly deep, you know, obviously with the care, you don't want to be off <laughs> fl <laughs> floating. France, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but, so the, there are different schemes. I mean, the, the, the website where all this information where I keep collating and when I find about somewhere new I put it on the website which is the outdoor guide so if you go on to uh, just type in Google that you know the outdoor guide it will come up and then you find the, the access the outdoor guide and there's all the wheelchair places there and we're sort of slowly but surely building a really good collection of places to stay as well that have got wet rooms and hoists so right. that people can know that they can go for a walk but have somewhere that's suitable to stay yeah, as well. Yeah, make a holiday of it. So yeah, so there's, there's, there's those kind of places. But just check out the website. Uh, oh, it's a great you'll, resource. You'll see, yes, yeah. you'll see the walks. And then, of course, there's all the YouTube videos to to watch as well. Yeah, and if people are city-based um, or, you know, in a particularly urban area and they can't really get out to the countryside, are there other places in there that you know that you might be able to hire a wheelchair that can go around you know Hampstead Heath in London or something like that well, per well uh, the perfect example would be like the National Trust properties uh, a lot of them have got scooters to go around the gardens Great. or the estates so pay for like Chatsworth House in Derbyshire you can borrow mach machines there um, 
Yeah, so, so it's worth checking out the National Trust website. And then they have a little button that says access facilities and they'll tell you whether what, they available. have a, yeah. a wheelchair uh, available, an, an electric wheelchair. So it is worth looking at the English heritage properties, um, the National Trust properties. Some of the Woodland Trust properties as well have, have wheelchairs as well. Well, Debbie, this has been absolutely brilliant and what a place to record it as well. The view is stunning with all the hills around us and the sheep and the dry stone walls. <laughs> and the wind's just picking up, it's but it's just been picking up. for us, hasn't it? I know, and I was worried that there was going to be rain, so we've been incredibly lucky. And um, to come out on a walk with you, to see the terrain hopper as well in action, it's, it's been really inspiring. And also just thank you so much for sharing your advice. And I'm sure it's going to be a huge help to a lot of people. Well, so. thank you. No, it's been thank a pleasure. You. Thank you. Oh, great. Thank you for listening to Debbie's episode. I really loved recording it and I completely fell in love with that part of the country. You can see photos of Debbie's outdoors adventures and our recording on the Outdoors Fix website or on Instagram at The Outdoors Fix. You'll also find Debbie on Instagram at Access the Outdoor Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out. And it would be brilliant if you could tell your friends and family about it to help spread the word. Now, it's that time to take a short moment to relax and listen to the sounds of waves rolling onto a beach in Devon. I hope you enjoy it. The Outdoors Fix is proudly supported by Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports, stores nationwide and online offering everything you need to equip you for the best outdoors experience.